This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now. Welcome to Lama Surya Das's Awakening Now podcast. We are very pleased to share with you Lama's unique illumination of the awakened awareness teachings. If you are interested in supporting Lama Surya Das's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/suryadas. The great, the oldest uh, living Dzogchen master, the great, really incomparable Chachal Rinpoche uh, passed away at age 102 in Nepal. And he sat in Dharmakaya meditation for five days after stop breathing. And uh, he was one of the greatest masters of all time. And he was the Dzogchen master of the Lama who recognized, who found and recognized our present Dalai Lama back in Tibet. So he's a very old and great Dzogchen master, Nintig master, hard essence master, right in our lineage. So we, people don't really know what to do or think about this. You know, we don't pray for him. We sort of co-meditate with him and mergitate and convergitate and communitate with him and in that way align with that, with two capital T's and are pulled along and go along in that marvelous direction and create, help and create a wake that helps others to move along and align similarly. He was a great master. He was actually the first great Lama that I met, although I had met a couple of Lamas when I was in Nepal when I was 20. He was the first great Lama Rinpoche I met, and he was the first Dzogchen master I met. He didn't teach Westerners hardly at all, although Brandon Kennedy was his uh, student. I mean, we were all his students little. He was a vegetarian, which is rare among lamas. And he practiced on every new moon and full moon, freeing the animals, giving life to those who were going to be slaughtered, freeing the fish and the birds and so on. He used to go to Himalayan markets and buy as many as he could and free them with prayers and blessings. He was a wonderful, compassionate uh, master. He started three-year retreats. If you know who Kempo Sonam Tabgyal Rinpoche is in Toronto, Yoshi Kempo's great disciple, Kempo Sonam from Toronto, did his three-year retreat under Chacho Rinpoche in Darjeeling when I was there. I wasn't in the retreat, but I was there, you know, Kala Rinpoche's monastery next door. And this great old Lama, Chacho Rinpoche, is the one who attended Kala Rinpoche in his death, took Dham and sat with him while Kala Rinpoche sat and took Dham after breathing his last. And we could even hear from outside the room, because I happened to be there, as usual, being Forrest Gump of the Dharma-like. We could hear Chacha Rinpoche in his gruff Tibetan voice shouting at Kala Rinpoche like he was hard of hearing. Rinpoche, recognize the clear light and won't hold back. Again, keep going, kind of his own personal Tibetan Book of the Dead instructions, as if our great old Rinpoche, the miller rep of his time, you know, dead, was hard of hearing. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is inconceivable, the games masters play to awaken the world. So he was a great Lama, and we were very loving and fond of him. 
Interestingly, uh, one of his two gurus was the great Sarah Khandra, one of the few real uh, famous Tibetan female masters who lived until modern times, Sarah Khandra. So he had a very unique Dakini or, or female uh, Dzogchen lineage. So, although the ever-rising son of Dharma, of Rigpa, is always arising, the great eastern sun is always arising and never sets we are experiencing the waning or the changing of the guard of the generation of the old guard of the great masters who came out of Tibet before the Chinese onslaught who were chased out of Tibet in 1959. So he's one of the really last ones. And he was 102, they said. People are always guessing his age, but the news said 102. And until this year, he was still genki, as we say in Japanese, like vital going around from retreat center to retreat center and nobody could keep up with him because he had so much energy being one of the master yogis of Jimmy Lingpa and Long Champus Longchendintig practice and teachings. Just rather than talking about all the practices he did in the old days, even before he became the Retting Regent Guru the regent who found the Dalai Lama after the 13th Dalai Lama died. Let me just tell you what Chachwimche, one of the few teachings he gave to me after, I don't know, I had been doing these things for 20 years and I'd done my two and a half, three year retreats and all the hundreds of thousands of millions or is it billions or is it trillions of mantras and prostrations and everything, aliens and other things. And I was in Nepal visiting my teachers and with Kinsirimche at his monastery and Brandon was there and we went to Chacha Rinpoche's cave temple one day, it must have been Guru Rinpoche day. And so, because we were seeing the master, and we brought offerings, we made our bows and everything, and he made us wait for hours. I remember Joseph Goldstein, Sharon Salzberg, and a few others were there who I might have brought, and they left because they couldn't wait. But we couldn't leave. And Chacha Rinpoche was sitting there in his red-checked, like, diner, tablecloth-like wraparound, because he wasn't a monk and he was like a yogi who lived in caves. You're getting a picture? Red-checked, diaper-type, tablecloth, wraparound, bottom skirt, not fancy llama robes, woven in, hand-woven in Bhutan like we and Dalai Lama wears. And we saw him in his room, and his, one of his grown daughters was translating, who would have done a three-year cave retreat under his guidance and was a real Dakini master herself. And I asked Chachu Rinpoche if he had any advice. I mean, the daughter who knows him for years said, it speaks English, of course. She, she told him in Tibetan who I was, or I'd done two, three-year retreats under Kinsu Rinpoche and Dujim Rinpoche, and I was with the Umze, the chant leader of that retreat, and how I was a good guy and all. And now she Kempo's main Western disciple and all. And I was asking if he had any advice for me. And he said, I'm putting it in English, he said, and Gruff, he was old and from Eastern Tibet. It's hard to understand his accent. Like I'd done something wrong. He was like, why don't you ever practice? He's like, do 900,000 repetitions of Lanchempa's four line guru yoga and then come back. He's like, I still hadn't done enough preliminary practices to receive the snow lions. And elixir of his Dzogchen teachings. Ah! So Brandon took that as his practice too. We went away and he did it. <laughs> I, pr I probably learned how to do email or something instead. <laughs> Who knows? You got to pick your spots. <laughs> anyway. I still know that, you know, prayer, and I chanted hundreds of thousands of times, but I never finished in counting my 900,000, so I could never go back to him and proudly tell him that I had done that, which would have been a mistake. And then he would have maybe given me teachings or another chore, or hit me on top of the head and split open my heart or something. You never know with him. I think, Drew, uh, somebody, did, did you just email me that you went to see his, him or his temple in Nepal with a few people? Somebody just did a month ago or a year ago or I don't know, very recently. Anyway, this is, this is the lineage that we're a part of. 
Thakwung Setral Rinpoche, who just died, who was another head lama. Yes. I guess now it's up to us. Not that we can compare ourselves to them, but now it's up to us. And fortunately, there's still some of the great masters alive, but now it's up to us, as always. And to pay it forward to the next generation, not just to be consumers, but to be producers and distributors. Actually have something to produce and distribute, to pay forward. Not just let it die with us. So we've been practicing in this wonderful heart essence, Jigme Lingfa's heart essence of Longchenpa, heart Kuntzampo, direct treasure from Padmasambhava, Kuntzampo, heart essence, Dakini, treasure, practiced, Ningtik in Tibetan. Luminous Okuchenpo, natural perfection, teachings, practice, view, meditation, and action. And we've been practicing sky-gazing, and today brought it to another uh, level, to the inner sky-gazing with your eyes closed into the, quote, inner light. I mean, these are just, you know, metaphors, but just to see, we don't have to be, it doesn't have to be out or big, we don't have to be outside, we don't have to have our eyes open, we don't even have to have sight, we could be blind. Because it's the sheer luminosity of mind itself we're looking at, looking into, we're looking as, it is the one that's looking, and so forth. Kuntazampo, looking into Kuntazampo, so kind of like every good monk or nun should look in the mirror in the morning and do an eye exam. And that's I-Y-E, eye exam. So we're Kuntazampoing, it's looking into the mirror of emptiness, eye to eye with Kuntazampo. Oh, who's looking at who? Kuntazampo? I don't know. Good. 50%. Kutuzampu. Ah, how sweet it is. Not looking for anything, just looking. As Buddha said, in looking, just looking, nothing to look at and no one looking. So that's naked awareness, Rikpa, non-dual awareness. So many words and synonyms, finger painting, weak expressions of the inexpressible. We did a little tune-up with the self-inquiry question, the laser-like self-inquiry question, who am I, who, who, what is experiencing? Is it the body? Is it the eyes? Corpses have eyes, they don't see much. Who, what is hearing? Is it the ears? Corpses have ears, they don't see much. So trying to trace the radiance of all these projections and radiant display on the silver screen of emptiness, trace the projections back to the projector. Is it the ear that's hearing or the auditory consciousness? Is it the eye that's seeing or the, whatever it's called, visual consciousness? And if we trace back all the six senses, we get just to the consciousness, to the awareness, and see, you know, is there six monkeys manning those, those port holes or one monkey or what? So it's a great mystery, the who am I? As Ramana Maharshi said, if you know who you are, you'll know the relation between God and man. You'll know who God and what God is, and how God, Guru, and Atma, or practitioner, are one and the same. Quoted from the ancient Veda scriptures of India. So in Buddhism, or in our Tibetan Guru Yoga tradition, we say, God, God. <laughs> uh, Buddha, Guru, and Yogi. Same. One nature. Different states or scopes of mind, perhaps, like water and ice. One single nature. Buddha nature. So we're all Buddhas by nature. We only have to recognize who or what we are. As I mentioned the other day, quoting from the laughing Dorje, Vajra Tantra, Hivadra Tantra. Kalarimche loved to quote this. We're all Buddhas by nature. It's only adventitious obscurations which momentarily veil that fact. Suddenly arising momentary obscurations that veil that fact from us. So, from the point of view of the path and purification, we try to purify the schmutz on our, the kaka on our windscreen. 
from the point of view of the non-dual dharma, more like polishing the luster of the diamond. The gold, the diamond, is not really more valuable because it's been shined. Same stuff, or melted or put in another shape. And it doesn't have to be gold or diamond. Even coal will do. We don't have to be like super monk and squeeze it for many lifetimes with our arduous practices to squeeze the coal to make a diamond. Find the coal mine, you're rich. That's the point. The deep dark is also it. Not just valuable things in our human currency or what we like or value locally. Beyond good and bad. Beyond liking and disliking. Beyond such concepts. Isn't there a Rumi poem about that, that we love? What does it say? Beyond, I'll make it up. Beyond good and bad, beyond liking and disliking, beyond you and me, beyond saint and sinner, beyond sacred and mundane, there is a meadow. I'll meet you there. There is a beautiful meadow full of flowers. I'll meet you there. That's where we meet the master. Not by schlepping all the way to Nepal and getting sick and then... He's ancient and can't see us anyway, and then we're disappointed. Of course, pilgrimage broadens the mind and the soul. But let's make the journey from here to fully here, from head to heart and beyond. Not just be vacation travelers on the club med, club meditation, luxury cruise line, going in circles. <laughs> Been there, done that, maybe you have too. Overeating, overdrinking, overthinking, over everything. And you come home, you need a vacation from your vacation. In Kuntazampo's meditation, it's Kuntazampo all the way, not looking for the needle in the haystack. Oh, where's that Buddha within? Kuntazampo, every needle of the haystack. It's pure gold all the way down, not just to the ground. There is no ground. It's all it. Jignalimpa called it the island of jewels that has no ordinary dirt on it. Really, a continent, really, world, the universe. Island's too small. For this outlook, this divine vision. So I did have some little, a few subjects to cover just in terms of our practice, just to continue with the view meditation and action. As we talked about yesterday, view like the sky, leave it as it is. Maybe you remember meditation, unmeditation like a mountain, imperturbable, unshakable, whatever falls on it, grows on it, leave it as it is. Excuse me, an action, natural proactivity, not karmic, egocentric reactivity. Action, inexhaustible, responsive, according to conditions, as the ocean's waves, leave it as it is. View, meditation, and action, the ground path, and fruit or result, rikpa, leave it as it is, of the great perfection. The glimpse, maturation, or checking it out thoroughly, seeing if there's anything better ascertaining with great certainty the path and the result, stabilization, actualization, no backsliding. Chachal Rinpoche's name means freedom from action or, or striving, Chatrawa. I remember somebody once in some kind of biographical note or something said it means free from all encumbrances or having let go of everything. It sounds like renunciation. That's fine. But Chachual in Dzogchen, it means like Wu Wei in Chinese and Taoism. Anybody read the Tao Te Ching? You should. And you should start with or not miss Steve Mitchell's translation of the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu, the greatest Chinese classic, maybe the wisest book in the world. Wu Wei is the main concept. The yin-yang symbol is the symbol, yin-yang, intertwined, not separate opposites, but more uh, inseparable, like tantric, warp and woof, weave, weft, 
inseparability. Yin-yang is the symbol of this wu-wei, the great flow, the great Tao. So wu-wei, that jajwa means wu-wei, non-striving or doing, non-doing, as somebody said, or not doing, doing. It doesn't mean not doing anything, because trying to do nothing is just one more egocentric strategy or action, hoping to get a result later. So Jatra Rinpoche, that's his name, the, beyond action and inaction. To quote Pachul Rinpoche again, our own Dzogchen Grandmaster, beyond action and inaction, the sublime dharma is accomplished. So that's the meaning of Jatra, or Wu Wei. So that bears on our practice, resting at the origin of all things, according to the, the story of Changza told the other day. Just being, which is hard to legislate, train, and or describe. But we know what being too busy or just doing, getting lost in doing means. It's hard to tell people, relax, relax. It's very uptight making. It's a pressure. But if we find a way to relax, it's good for us. Eventually we get relaxed in a, in a natural way. That's good. Then we see how tight we wound we were. We didn't even know. So in the Dzogchen practice, we practice this way, non-striving or non-doing or non-overdoing, letting go of everything, letting be, great acceptance, and yet doing the best it does what needs to be done and lets go, and whatever happens, happens, keeps doing whatever needs to be do done thoroughly. As it says in the Gita, do your duty, not attached to the results. In the Tao Te Ching, do what has to be done and let go, and whatever happens, happens. So we practice this in the form of our treasure or our just seeing, just being practice. According to the four great leave it as it is, is the Chok Shakshi we were just contemplating. Like the sky, like the mountain, like the ocean, and so on. Or like the reflections in the mirror, the mirror remains unmoved. That's an image of the great beyond action of Jadrell of Wu Wei. Like the mirror, unmoved, untouched by whatever appears in front of it, yet very happy, very willing, very open to reflecting whatever it is beautiful flowers or, or stinky shit or a wet paintbrush also doesn't stick there, just reflects whatever comes in front of it. So we also have that sort of Teflon side of our brain we could use, not just the sticky flypaper side, if we can practice this letting things come and go, letting be, arising and dissolving and just aware of whatever arises and aware of it dissolving by itself. So we don't have to suppress it or drive it away. We don't have to try to iron, hopeless effort to try to iron out all the waves of the ocean as if a flatter ocean would be better anyway. So these four choke shock, she, the leaving it as it is, is the four great flops is a great commentary or pith instructions, pithy boiled down instructions for our practice. Kala Rinpoche always used to talk about the Rang Bab Sum, the three great droppings, or letting it fall as it falls, letting it lay as it lays. The body, let it fall or drop or lay as it lays. The speech or the breath, the energy, let it fall, let it lay as it lays. And the mind, the heart-mind, consciousness, let it fall or lay as it lays. The Rang Bab Sum, the image of the snow falling over the lake, letting it fall as it falls, lay as it lays. Just Rang Bab, self-settling by itself processing, like the waves naturally undulating or the ripples on a stream. So this is a reminder of how we can go more in detail to, to check or to relax or go step by step through like natural body, let it, let's it lay as it lays, no posture special needed in this practice. Of course, in yoga, exercise, or other activities in the world, you might very well assume different postures for different purposes. No problem. Just like a snake. Just because a snake is coiled doesn't mean it's tangled up, or it can't just untangle and slither away. No problem. That's one of the images of the inherent freedom of being in Dzogchen. Just because we're bent out of shape, like a snake coiled, doesn't mean that we're stuck, bent, forever. So... Letting things lay as they lay, the drop the body, 
to put it in a more perhaps Zen way, drop the body, drop the speech or the expressions or the breathing, drop the mind, and then sense directly. Should I even add who? Just sense directly. What is it? Ah. Wonderment, as we say in Dzogchen, imho. Like a child seeing things for the first time. Nobody told him yet that a snake might be dangerous. Oh, he says, oh, snake, don't touch. And all of that conditioning socialization starts, which is useful. But now we're just talking about this state of wonderment. Ah, ah. You, know, you come to the breakfast table and your maid is there. Never saw you before. The one of creation. Rather than, where's my newspaper or my Dharma book? I know everything you were going to say anyway. Not interested in you, old girl. And when we meditate or live or whatever we do, we're often in this jaded state of consciousness. You know, we're so um, know-it-all, or so we think, especially in this over-information age. We know so much, we understand, worse, we realize so little. So, dropping the body, letting lies, lies especially in our meditation practice of treachery. But what about standing or walking or waiting at the elevator? Why not? It doesn't just have to be sitting. These are all moments for the wrong babsum, for the chok shakshi. Take a moment. How long does it take to breathe, relax, and smile? <sighs> or shout pet while you're waiting at the elevator in your office building, or internally at least, <laughs> so you don't scare the local the local uh, tribes people. Or while you're waiting at red light, sitting in your car. You probably have the windows up anyway because your air condition is blasting or heat. You're waiting for the red light, you know, impatiently. You can just shout, Pat! <laughs> How long does it take to come back, to break through, to be now? And then when the light changes, there's a whole new journey opens. Or it could so back to the theme we talked about, yes, theme yesterday. Short, many quickies rather than a few prolongies. Young Mung Dramang. Young Tung Dramang. Short duration, many times repeated. Not just waiting when you have time to sit and meditate for half an hour, an hour in a sacred place in front of your candle and with your incense going. That's nice for special occasions, but what about the other 95% of the week? So this is very integral with daily life, I think, and important to understand what this naturalness means beyond action, but also beyond inaction. Not being quietist. Not trying to do nothing. Not have to drop out. Not being against everything or counterculture. Just being one with the flow, like the swan, the bodhisattva's image in ancient Sanskrit poetry, is the swan that moves on the lake without disturbing the lotuses or without making any waves, like a swan. Not like a modus boat. Here comes the bodhisattva. Hide the women and children. <laughs> Any questions, please? Do ask your questions. I'm tempted to stop the private interviews because so many people come and they just ask things that could so easily ask here and it's exhausting to me. And I'm getting sick, so. Yes, Marsha Lynch. Lama. Hello. Hello. So, um, so we did the King of Aspiration prayers. <clears throat> Thank you very much. I think I remember you telling us at one time that the, the path, uh, path, I can't talk, path clearing um, mantra is by the same. Yes, uh, the path clearing obstacle removing prayer and the, well, that is from a, one teraton, I think, but go on. Can I make a request? Sure. From the all-star great billboard hits, top hits. Can we do that mantra sometime? Can we, with you, the great Dharma Yogi Jazz Master? Uh, 
Um, I'm trying to sort out what you're really asking. So yes, sure. Can you but send you me a note and write it down what yes. you're really asking for? What mantra? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Is it a mantra? Is it the prayer? Is it the four lines? Is it the whole one? What, write down and think about what you're really asking for. From all of that Dharma treasure. <clears throat> and also think about what you're really after. Like, we could do it right now, you know, praying for all obstacles to be removed, the path to be opened, and all aspirations achieved. From your mouth to Buddha's ears. What a treasure. Sometimes it takes the dakini to pull it out of themselves. Yes. Hi. Lama Surya, could you talk a little bit about the releasing process? Releasing? And you kind of alluded to it towards the end of your talk today. It only seems clear to me kind of in retrospect. It's not an act of surrender in the vocabulary. It could be surrender. But is That it... sounds more theistic. But yes, surrender. But what, what are you really asking about? Things by themselves arising and by themselves releasing, or the snow settling and dissolving into the water? I mean, what are we after here? What are we trying to get at in terms of our own practice and insight? And it seems to me there's a cycle of releases that come in these kinds of settings for me. I'm sure for others. And it isn't clear what exactly is being released. Is it a samsaric inner body release in the central column, which is what the yogis would say? Is it a dropping of a conceptual holding? Is it a... Go on. Is everybody it listening? In the breath that's being released? Um, everything, it's everything that's being released. Or that's releasing itself as we stop... Um, fixating or clinging or reifying it. So it could be the things that are arising in the mind or in the body, or it could be habitual reactions that we're releasing, we're, we're like undoing or we're, we're practicing, restraining, refraining from. Like if you're sitting there and you feel like, if you feel an itch, you refrain from scratching, and you're just aware of the itch. So you recondition the reactivity. So we're releasing the habitual reactivity, the karma, the conditioning, the karma, the reactivity. So we can choose whether we scratch or not, not that we always have to react blindly. So we have more room to choose. We're releasing how we continually uh, reify or fixate and create our world, like, you know, sitting there thinking about me, myself, and I, the three Jews, and taking refuge in that constantly, and how I'm feeling, how I'm doing, am I having a good meditation, am I doing it right, I don't know. I shouldn't be revealing how it is for me. You know. So really it's releasing everything, but surrender is not bad way of saying it, that word has associations, so, you know, it's not Buddhist's favorite word, but... Um, also in these days, it sounds very much like submitting, which is not, you know, our individualistic uh, West American way of thinking. But surrender is a great spiritual practice. Of course, it's not a bad thing to consider what you're surrendering to and why and how and when and also who or what is surrendering. So you don't just, like... Uh, mm, uh, what, give yourself away in the wrong way or, or become a doormat or uh, fall under cult domination by a megalomaniac. So, um, are we communicating? Do you have any, you know, could you, you want to try to pull, get a little more into your question? Well, what I was getting at... Like, we're letting go of the things that arise. That would be like Buddhist meditation talk. Right. What are the things that arise in the body-mind continuum in the present moment? And you're a meditator, so you look into that. What does the arising mean? Appearances, that sounds like it's outer. Perceptions, that sounds like it's inner, inner-outer. Thoughts, moods, feelings, all that, yes. Letting it come, letting it go. 
letting it be. That's to surrender to as it is. Surrender is a good way of saying it in English. Surrender to God's will. See, it, that's how we think of it in theistic way. Not my will, but thine, O Lord. Thank you for this day, for this moment. Not, why don't you send, you know, I didn't want a bicycle. I wanted a, a motorcycle. Lord, I mean Santa. I don't know, I get confused. <laughs> but we're the children in this, you see. With that kind of wanting and not dissatisfactoriness, which is a good translation of do God, first noble truth. Life is dissatisfactory, you know, unlightened life is dissatisfactory, stressful, anxiety-provoking, dissatisfying. So another way, let me start again. We're letting go of the body. I see a Zen master sitting in front of me, so the Zen perspective might come up. Letting go of the body. What you say, what are we letting go of? Letting go of the body, letting go of the mind, letting go of enlightenment project, letting go of the self, letting go of everything. Not to mention letting go of thoughts. It's much harder to let go of your, your body, your life, yourself, and your health than thoughts. I mean, who gives a shit about a few thoughts? Okay, I'll let go of my stupid thoughts. There's, there's plenty more of that popcorn coming up every moment anyway. But I'm not going to butter it up for right now. But let go of yourself and your selfing. That's the challenge. Me, myself, and I. What, what does it say in the Buddhist text? Me and mine, nama rupa. Name and form, how I name it and form it. Letting go of naming and forming, that's how we reify our reality. Who's ready to let go of that? I'm a retired nurse. I don't know what to do now. It's hard to let go after 30 or 40 or 50 years of working hard to become something cool, good, important, and great. Now what? Who am I without all that? It's like a snowman, you know? It's like a snowman. It's great. A good, what's better than a good snowman? But for how long? And etc. Which recalls, and I'm not just jumping around too much, I hope, the great wisdom poem from the great have nothing to do with Eastern thought or Dharma, Wallace Stevens, the snowman who listens in the snow and nothing himself sees the nothing that is not there and the nothing that is. I think old lawyer of Hartford Insurance Company, Wallace Stevens, should get a gong for that, don't you? For the snowman who stands and listens, I don't know what, in the snow and sees nothing that is not there and the nothing that is. Now that's really something, ain't it? That ain't nothing. That's no empty shunyata. That's real shunyata. And even nothing, you've got to let go of it because it's really something. You know, every moment, uh, the womb of emptiness is infinitely fertile and productive. And gorgeous. I mean, that's the miracle. I hope we're communicating. There's a lot to let go of. But letting go could be very simple if you get it at the root where the connection really is. You know, like there's a lot, the car might have a lot of gears, but if you throw the clutch, it's no longer driving the wheels. Or if you put it in idle or run out of gas, or whatever metaphor. Thank you for your good question. Oh, you also asked about, which people don't usually ask about, about the chakras and channels and the central channels. So let me say, we think of it as, uh, in Tibetan yoga, untying the knots in the energy channels. That's why we do like tumo, inner heat, inner light, uh, what's it called, what do I call it, mystic heat, mystic luminosity yoga, tumo, milarepa, because it melts the frozenness. It's not real knots in solid channels, it's energy flow. It melts the knots or the, the impasses, the blockages, the, the hang, you know, psychologically, it's like hang-ups. It frees the hang-ups. 
it loosens the knots in the channel so the free-flowing prana can flow freely and isn't hung up by, you know, our wounds and scabs and, you know, how we get tangled up or we decide we're always going to, you know, character structure gets fixed by nature and nurture. So we sort of, it's melting and freeing. So we let go of the stuff and bring all of the dualistic winds liking and disliking, for example, or masculine and feminine, yin and yang winds into the central channel, which is not a narrow thing, which is really the bigger thing that the little lanes of liking and disliking are in. Questions? Yes, Drew. Uh, speaking of um, scabs and... and <laughs> <laughs> I know I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> the doctor here. Go ahead. No, no. no we're going inner uh, um, and constrictors and so forth. So this retreat has been quite a bit different than normally I do, and it's a bit following your lead from last summer. But um, normally I throw myself into a headlong into a, a quite. A, yeah, fasting and staying up all well, night, regimented, and going crazy, you know, etc. And um, this time I just decided to go deep into suffering. <laughs> Really, just try to suffer as much as uh, it sounds weird, but uh, suffer as much as possible, um, especially you know, like very early um, um, scarring, let's say, and imprints. And so, where do we draw the line? Because it's been quite challenging. You know, it's easy to, as you, and you mentioned, the word spiritual bypassing before. And in my experience, if one practice is very hard or gets lucky and vice versa um good things do happen you know mm -hmm. nature of mind etc yeah. good things happen to good people so <laughs> <laughs> yes it's good by, by nature yes um so where do you draw the line between you know, losing oneself, let's say, and, and, and it, it's the temptation's very easy. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, and, uh, to old habits um, and revisiting this and, and original pain and, and very early imprint stuff and um, versus what I know it's not ultimately true, but it can't help but yeah. um, get admired in it. And, uh, right. You know. Well, I think that that's good stuff for, you know, therapy and self-inquiry and journaling yeah. and with a uh, mate and other kinds of, you know, relational yoga and stuff. Mm. And that this being a Dzogchen retreat, you know, focusing on naked awareness practice. And so we're not doing that much like of the things that might somewhat help with that. Although maybe, may, or not, you may still want you know, therapy and other kinds of, like, uh, psychological work or dredging or whatever you call integration. Um, you know, like, so we don't do so much attitude transformation and purification and loving kindness on ourselves and others and, you know, other practices that are softening, healing, embracing, bringing self-acceptance so we can hold the pain, you know, the early wounds or whatever that we have. We can love ourselves and forgive the, and so on. Lots of forgive and accept. You know, this is kind of Mahayana Vajrayana work or practice. Should and putting ourselves in the our heads in the mouth of the line of our fears. We're not doing that here. So, you just you just came back from India and you flew in. I don't know what you you were doing there. You're probably sitting under the Bodhi tree, co-meditating with and as and in Buddha. So, and then you're kind of exhausted and sick, so I don't know if you've been following the schedule or, you know, sleeping and not sleeping erratically in different time zones, but it's, it's a hard place. You know, it's a pressure cooker. There's no distractions. There's no one coddling your ego. There's no, you know, so it's a hard place to do that psychological work, which is often done with a mirror-like presence of some kind or other, or more even softer, you know, helpful, helping... So, uh, and we all have a lot of that to do, so we don't make the spiritual bypass and just, you know, try to meditate and, like, sort of get into the narrow lane of 
concentrated or settled here and then we go back to our lives and in a way we're even worse off because the stretch the difference the fat kind of stretches and almost breaks the fabric of together being of being intactness so we have to do that work inside retreat and outside retreat and wherever we go at some point And you like extreme practices, so I guess extreme suffering and extreme ups and downs and travels and jet lags and fastings and not sleepings and, you know, sufferings and no doubt elations and other things are kind of the way your highway of awakening is uh, built, you know. Not flatline. So that's fine. Don't expect it to be otherwise. I know you've been abused in other things, hopefully not by me and people here. And, and these are tough shit that you've got to work out, you know? And it's hard to come here and be silent and be alone and be in jet lag and be sick and work on stuff like that. That's why we have this very light, you know, all accepting, all good, whatever you do is it, practice here. You know, with the basketball hoop bigger than the court. So you can't miss. That's my approach. Like good cop, bad cop. You're lucky the bad cop isn't here. I didn't let him come or he'd be, you know, beating you and telling you you're not doing enough. I got enough of that, or <laughs> but that's. I guess that's the question because the. Well, all right, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But the, the practices, and you know, having done so much in, uh, let's say, intensive practice in, in many different forms, they do have an effect. Absolutely, you know, Tumo is practical or a real. Yeah, but it's also a very intense, and, even uh, risky, high wire act. Tumo. Well, that's. You know, it works for me. I mentioned Mahayana attitude transformation and loving kindness and accepting. You're talking about two mo. Two mo. Two. Intense, wrathful, mo. Feminine. Yeah. You don't want to get in the wrong side of that, baby. <laughs> works for me. I don't know. Attitude transformation, some nice lojung and tonglen and metta and compassion and forgiveness and self-compassion and, you know, Seva with others, you know, giving and receiving, and could be nice. You're gonna go back to the Nyingma Munlam now. Prayers under the Bodhi tree. There's a thousand, mostly Tibetan, probably monks and nuns there chanting in Tibetan all day. And what's what's what are you gonna be doing? What's your part in that? Uh, hanging out, just chanting. We'll see. Maybe just meditating, some practice, soaking it up. So I hope you get healthy before you go back. Yeah, this is more of an inner sickness, let's say, or inner I know. unhealthiness. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, but, the, you know, uh, outer sickness, you know, just to exaggerate, your outer sick, your, your dreadful outer sickness and your inner afflictions are still uncorrupting or external to the inner, the basic goodness and the inner luminosity, which you're well, you're well aware of and sometimes in touch with. So that's the true refuge. Mm. And that's something to remember. Meanwhile, I think it's good to like practice. I was just at Shivadana the ashram in the Bahamas teaching. So it was one of the first ashrams I was ever at in India, Swami Shivadananda's ashram, which founded Hatha Yoga probably in this country. He was Sachi Dananda's guru and people's guru like that. So anyway, it was a nice connection for me. And I remember the famous great yogi Shivananda of India, who was actually a doctor, comes to mind, until he was 39 and renounced completely, became a sannyasi. The great Shivananda of India of the last century, he, he, his last deathbed words were, detach, attach. We could write a whole sutra, you know, about this commenting, but let me just say, I think it's important to detach from what's unhealthy or unhappy and, and attached to something higher or deeper, or, you know. Be discerning about that since you asked me about where to draw the line. What to detach from. Or, I'm not going to use fancy words like renounce. Detach, attach, and what to attach to. And I'm not going to talk about non-attachment. Don't get confused. Detach from what's 
not helping and attached to what helps. Detached from the lower or samsara and attached to the higher nirvana. I mean, this is just so dualistic, but that's why it's important for us in the world of dualism is where the afflictions afflict us. When we're kuntazampa, there's no one to be afflicted. It's all just hood ornaments. The bigger the waves of the emotions, the better the surfing, imaho. The big blue wave. Anyway, uh, are you coming for a private interview, or have you talked to Lama Christopher yeah. or Lama Daniela? I'll see you later today. Good, so we'll talk more. Try to be gentle with yourself, man. You're, you're, you know, you're like a spiritual kamikaze. You know what happens to them in the end, if they're successful enough. But that's kind of the idea. You go, death. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Christian mystics call it ruination. Who's ready for that as a goal? Well, I've had that before. It means self-ruination. Yeah, well, like birth pains, you know, it's a painful process. So I ask you to be a little more gentle with yourself while you're in that, if that's your way. Hopefully there's no other... Uh, hmm? At the end of the day, there's no... Um, <laughs> It's a long day. <laughs> it's a long day here in Buddha, in Buddha Standard Time. Okay, thank you. Enjoy your practice today. <clears throat> oh, somebody asked me what's a good short book to read about Dzogchen, and since I'm recommending book, Dzogchen books, I want to recommend my book, Natural Radiance, short has CD, DVD, CD in the back with seven guided Dzogchen meditations, Natural Radiance from Sounds True Catalog, easy to find online, Natural Radiance, full of pith instructions and other things. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.